0: Our guest tonight has many accomplishments on his resume, the least of which is knowing Edgar Burgos and I. (laughs) He's my one-time boss at the New York Daily News, and he's such a genuinely nice guy, ladies and gentlemen, that when Ed pestered him to step in the arena tonight, despite being a family man, you know, wife, kids, responsibilities, real-life stuff, he agreed to come on and chat some basketball with us. I will tell you who this gentleman is on the other side of this intro, while also reiterating a common theme here on the show.
1: This guy has made it through rounds, playing the style that he plays. He named every one. It's like this guy named all five of my game-winning shots from 2008, 2009.
0: I played with two of the two of the most exciting players ever to play the game, Allen Iverson and Vince Carter. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. This is Step in the Arena. That's Edgar Burgos. I'm Bobby C. On the, you know, other virtual side of things is our producer extraordinaire, Randy Cruz. We want to thank you for being on the other end of this audio podcast on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, or on the video side on YouTube and live on Twitter. Please like, download, share. Sharing is caring, right, Ed. And Step in the Arena, of course, is part of the Cruise Control Podcast Network in partnership with Hard to Guard Media. Evening, Ed. My Uh, man
1: Bobby. I just want to say welcome back. Uh, I had uh, 17,000 DMs, people asking me, making sure that you would come back this week after you promised me that you was almost about to leave me. And I'm happy you're here for another week.
0: Well, you know, Ed, it's funny because as the intro actually pointed out, I think the punchline for tonight is very simple. If you receive a text message from my co-host, leave it on red, ladies and gentlemen, because Ed is going to want you to do a podcast. And that would be the advice for our guest tonight that I would give him. And that, of course, is S and Y's Ian Bagley, formerly of ESPN New York and New York Daily News. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, leave Ed on red. It's <laughs> <laughs> on.
2: Oh, come on, Bobby. If I get a tech, it, this is the list: you, Edgar, my wife. an That's the list. <laughs>
0: You know, with with the fact that New York, according to Mayor de Blasio, opening up on July 1st, my first question for you tonight, if the Knicks go into a deep, deep playoff run and you have tickets to Game 7 and you only have one ticket, are you taking Ed, myself, or Randy to the game?
2: (laughs) If I have a ticket to Game 7, you know, I have two young kids, God willing, one day I'll have to put them through college. I'm putting it on StubHub. I'm putting it on the secondary market, and that'll go towards, you know, tuition the first semester in twenty thirty eight, whatever. Sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Very, a very
1: right. smart move. I'm with you all the way, Ian. I'm with you all the way.
0: I, you know, I know Ed is going to want to go to the game because, you know, after winning 10 out of 11 Somewhere somehow, deep in his closet, Ed found this remarkably beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's 2011,
2: Edgar? What year is that? 2013. 2013. Yes. Yeah. That's right. The last year they were good. Of course. Yeah, last
0: good. year they were good. Exactly. That, that was the last time Ed was actually a fan, too, Ian.
2: <laughs> well, if Ed great. wanted to go to game seven, I mean you know Edgar, he the he'll get in the back door. Security, get, he'll wink at the security guy. He'll get into the back door. He'll be the one guy who doesn't have to pay for a ticket to get in that building.
0: <laughs> it's it's because he pesters people to the point where they're just like, <laughs> fine, I'll give you tickets. It's all
2: right. <laughs>
0: and, 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 am I that bad? It's bad.
2: You, uh, when I, I, Maybe it's just me, but no, when you text me or calls me, I'll pick up I'll answer, you know.
1: Ian, I'm a quick story. So last week before the show, right? Yeah. Bobby was Enraged, right? He was so enraged. He was like, Hey, and he and Randy was on. Randy was on. He was like, I can't do this no more. Wow, he goes, I got he goes, I gotta do my class, I gotta do the exams. I gotta tell, he goes, I got a lot going on.
2: Yeah, so he was ready to be done.
1: And then he ended ended the conversation. This is possibly my last show.
2: Oh, (laughs) Oh. wow. So I'm stepping into, like, drama. <laughs> this is, like, kind of what's going on with Joe Budden's podcast, right? Like, similar?
1: I, think, you know, I think me and Bobby need therapy.
2: <laughs> He's
0: leaving out all the actual context of everything that goes on. I mean, Ed will tell you about, you know, maybe, like, five minutes before the actual podcast. Bam! Ian Bagley, 930. See you there.
2: No Does, he Does he deliver? Does he deliver?
0: No preparation, no, nothing. <laughs> the best is when he tells you that it's going to be Ian Bagley and then it's Mark Berman. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so you got like, you know, three, I knew it was going to be you and you're here.
2: Did you have three minutes to prep for Baron Davis?
0: I had about three minutes for Baron Davis, <laughs> but, but you he- know, Baron, Baron was so high that it really didn't make a difference and, and the funny part of that
1: whole conversation is Baron and Bobby got into it during that really? conversation
0: over what? My drapes what did Baron say about your drapes? He just doesn't like them very much I mean I guess when
2: you're high as a kite drapes are out of the question that's amazing that's amazing I got think I,
0: we've patched things up Baron and
2: I Baron, by the way you guys know this. He left it all on the floor for the Knicks. Remember that injury? Yeah, that was a, a gruesome injury. Crazy injury and the Jeremy Lin like wasn't playing in that series cuz he was, you know, 85% uh close to the threshold of playing or whatever. And then Barron, he's getting, you know, in a stretcher carried off the court cuz of that injury uh, in the playoffs. I just remember that that was that was um impressive of Baron, just the way he laid it out for those guys.
1: I want to get your thoughts real quick. Yesterday, uh, Carmelo Anthony announced that he's coming out with uh, his own memoir.
2: Yeah. And,
1: and your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, I'm looking forward to reading it, man. Um, he, like, he's a superstar or whatever, however people want to define it. I don't care. He's a superstar. And I got to cover him every day, almost every day when he was here in New York. Uh, and so I have a real uh, appreciation for what he, not even on the court, I mean, off the court though, just the way he carried himself and the way he impacted the community. Like I have a ver- real appreciation for that because I know that he cared and he was passionate about the stuff that he spent his time and his resource, resources towards. So um, he said the, the book is not a basketball book. And so I'm just interested to, to read it and to, you know, he brings an interesting perspective, I think to, all things off the court. So I'm looking forward to reading that book and seeing what he has to say. I guess we'll learn more about his life, his childhood, growing up. And, uh, you know, when you are the top basketball player in the country uh, or one of them, I'm sure you have incredible stories to tell about that time, recruiting and all that. But even going back to uh, Red Hook and then Baltimore, yeah, just it's going to be fascinating. I'm looking forward to reading it.
0: Is that well, my cue to ask a question? Yeah, yeah, mean, too, a well, I mean, that would be the purpose of a pre production meeting to go over who's <laughs> yeah. asking what. You know what I'm saying? <laughs>
2: there,
0: there's got to be a chapter in this memoir for Melo <laughs> yeah. that says, Leave Edgar Burgos on red. Leave him <laughs> on red. You know, I mean, I guess for me, I, I think it's a great place to start because obviously Melo yeah. has been a talking point in the NBA the last couple of seasons. But I think one of the things we talked about last week with Mark Berman is if you were to have asked me a year ago that we would be talking about, you know, almost double digit win streaks for the Knicks in the spring. Yeah. And looking at a fourth seed with possibly having, you know, home court advantage in the first round and maybe even having conversation. I mean, Ed thinks that they're gonna beat the Nets in the playoffs. So um, apparently whatever Baron Davis is smoking is being passed around from, you know, one analyst <laughs> to another here. So, I, I mean, I guess to me, the biggest story in New York as was alluded to tonight by, I went to the diner here in the Bronx, and if you're yes. curious what I had for dinner and I, right. I love how the waitress tonight even said to me, I'm not a woman that really follows a lot of basketball, but they mm. have, you know, they have the Nick game on in the, in the diner. So she said mm. to me that even when the Nets have the, the bigger roster. She's like, don't they have a lot of stars on their team? And I said, yeah, they, they got, you know, they got the stars. Mm-hmm. She's like, the Knicks are more of a story. So even wow. from a novice, novice of a, of a sports fan, right. Like the, like the waitress in the Bronx here. Right. Um, I think everyone knows that the Knicks are, are, are back page, whether they're winning or losing. And and surprisingly they're winning. So I, I guess my big question to you would be how. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> it's uh, I mean, you mentioned like, if we were sitting here a year ago, would anybody have predicted that? And the answer is obviously no, because of the way they finished last year, the roster they were bringing back. And, you know, I think two really important elements are at play here. One, Tom Thibodeau, obviously day one, you know, he comes in and he sets standards and he holds everyone accountable. And I think the results of that are the way the Knicks defend night in and night out. And so, Hats off to Tom Thibodeau, the coaching staff. I think, you know, there are no stars on this roster, so everybody kind of had no choice but to buy in if they wanted to to stick around. But they bought in, and they're still bought in, and that's part of the reason why they've far exceeded expectations because of what they do defensively uh, consistently. And then Julius Randle. I mean, you guys know last year how bad it was. It was a bad team, and he was the face of a bad team. And, you know, he took a lot of criticism from fans and media, there were, you know, teams thought that he was going to be available via trade last offseason or over the course of this season, going back to last offseason. And then the Knicks draft, they'll be topping a player who plays Randall's position. So everything was kind of pointing towards the Knicks trading Julius Randall. So, but he doesn't like, you know, put his head down. He doesn't sulk. He works so hard in the offseason on his jump shot, uh, you know, conditioning wise. He comes back, great shooter. Uh, passing the ball really well, just addressed a lot of the flaws in his game, and he's an all-star. And now he's a part of this thing moving forward, and it's just a remarkable turnaround for him. So I always point to Thibodeau and I point to Randall as the guys who are driving the bus uh, for the Knicks this year.
0: 100%. I mean, and, and and again, amazing that in the final three weeks of the NBA season, the Knicks are playing games that matter. But I know Knicks fans have to be a bit concerned about the upcoming West coast swing and the fact that the opponents that they're going to face down the stretch here are maybe arguably among the toughest that they've faced in quite some time.
2: Yeah. Tough, tough six games. I mean, you got Houston, that should be a win, right? But then the rest of that trip, I mean, they're in LA for the two games or Denver uh, just tough games. And so even the Memphis game is tough and uh, it's going to really test the Knicks and it's going to test their resolve, but You know, the way Atlanta is playing without Trey Young, it seems like, I don't know when Trey Young's coming back, but it seems like they're going to have a tough time winning games without him. So Atlanta's right behind the Knicks. And then you have Boston, which lost to OKC at home the other night. So they seem like they're in a bad way. Um, So even if the Knicks, you know, let's say they get two wins on the six game trip, whatever, it doesn't seem like they'd be in danger of slipping all the way into that. Play-in tournament, seventh place for the play-in tournament. Uh, so it seems like they're in pretty good position, but really, really tough sledding ahead over the, these six games out west. Do you think I got one more, one more, one more, one more, Ed? One more. <laughs> leave, leave them on red. I got one
0: more. So, um, uh, Ian Julius Randall's averages for the month of April, as I steal some thunder here: twenty-seven yeah. points per game, nine rebounds per game, six point three assists. So we'll say six assists and a steal in almost a half per game. Chance of MVP at the Garden. Do you think Julius Randle is a legit MVP candidate this NBA season?
2: You know, it, I think it depends on how they finish this season. If they finish up in fourth and he continues to put up those numbers, I mean, you have to put him in the conversation because of the way that he is factored into this team's success, a success that nobody saw coming. And Nicole, uh, Nicola, geez. The big guy in Denver, who Jokic, who for some reason I keep wanting to say Nikola Vucevic, because uh, the Knicks played the Bulls last night. Nicole Jokic from Denver, I think he's the leader in the clubhouse. And then, you know, people are talking about Chris Paul. I think that's – he's had a fantastic season, but I don't know if you could put him all the way up there. Um, and then you talk about Joel Embiid. So there, there are candidates who I think are ahead of Julius Randle at the moment. But if the Knicks and this season, you know, continuing to win. And he's a big factor in those wins. I think he just continues to make a really good name for himself because no one has run away with this thing at the moment, right? Everybody's kind of split on Embiid, uh, Jokic, Chris Paul, Giannis Antetokounmpo. So there's not a clear cut favorite. So Randall, I think has an opportunity to put himself into the conversation with a strong finish this regular season.
1: The so floor is
0: yours, my friend.
2: <laughs> I was going to say,
1: Randall has um, one more year left on his contract. Yep. Um, What do you think th- the Knicks do uh, before the next season? Do they extend them, or do they wait it out uh, just to see if this season was a
2: fluke? Yeah, it's a really – it's a great question. Um, If I'm them, I think I would try to extend them because the extension, I think it comes in in about four years and a little over 100, and so – you're in that kind of middle ground where, you know, if he continues to do what he's doing, it's a team-friendly contract. And even if he falls off a little bit, it's still a solid contract where it's not, you know, totally player-friendly, not totally team-friendly. So I think that would be the safer play for the Knicks. The risk is, you know, like you said, if he comes back next season, he's not the same guy, you know, then, they'd be right to wait it out. But if he's the same guy next year and you let him hit unrestricted free agency, you're going to have to pay a lot more to retain him long-term. And the way he's played, like, it just seems like it's not a fluke at this point. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm kind of, you know, sucked into just watching him every night and, uh, and not seeing the bigger picture. But it just seems like, you know, he's had a few dips, a few rough games. Then he's come back and put up big numbers and he's shooting the ball incredibly well distributing it well and it seems to stem from you know his conditioning and his work in the offseason and so as long as he continues to work which he is a worker uh I don't see him falling off here but it's you know no one knows so it's an interesting decision the Knicks have to make
1: so, so on that point um what do you do with obviously Kevin Knox then definitely he's definitely not going to be a Nick next year Probably Nidakino N- 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 is probably not gonna be in next Nick- next year. And Randy Cruz's favorite basketball player of all time, Obi Toppin. Uh what, what or Topin, whatever his name is, right? <laughs> what do you do with him? Do you do
2: you trade him? Oh yeah, it's interesting with Obi, right? Because if you're committed to Julius long term, they both play the same position. What is the path for Obi Toppin to be a starter? So I don't know if there's a path there unless you play him at center and uh i don't know if you could do that so is he you know is he gonna be the backup to julius randall for julius's time in new york or does he have more value as a trade chip? that's a question that you know the knicks will have to ask themselves if they do indeed commit to randall long term because you drafted ob eighth he was your your first top pick and if he's parked behind Julius Randle I just I don't know how that would play out maybe they just they see it as value and they see a role for him with Randle uh being a headliner but it's hard for me to see a clear path for Obi to be like a starter at least or you know he could be coming off the bench but I don't know that's a conversation that I'm sure they will have if they do indeed commit to uh to Julius
0: Yeah, in my mind, Ian, I I think the Knicks are still a point guard away from being like legit title contenders. You know, could they, obviously going to make the playoffs, could they win a first round playoff series perhaps, but in the East that might, you know, I think in the East making the playoffs, not that big of a deal, winning a playoff series in the East might not be that big of a deal either. So, you know, at a certain point you have to start having legit conversations about what the future is going to look like, whether or not the Knicks could take – again, it's an achievement if you haven't made the playoffs in as long as it's been for them. But realistically, if they want to win a championship the way they're presently constructed, again, Peyton's not winning you a championship at the point guard spot. I don't know if Chris Paul would have, but I think that the Knicks would be in better shape if they had someone like Chris Paul running the point. And, and guys that are currently on their roster, like we just mentioned, Neil Aquina, maybe quickly has been good, but is is he really – the the right guy to be running the show if they're going to be a deep playoff team. So, you know, what are the Knicks going to do there?
2: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. That to me is their biggest position of need going into this offseason, Bobby, you hit it on the head and they're going to have a lot of cap space to spend so they can be active uh, in the free agent market. And, you know, we talked about Lonzo ball a lot. I know that they talked to the Pelicans about trades uh, on trade deadline day. And I, but I don't have a clear sense of, of how they feel about Lonzo. Like, if everybody loves it, I don't think there's a uniform opinion on Lonzo. Uh, and they would have to make a very, very big offer uh, to get Lonzo ball here because he's going to be a restricted free agent uh, with the New Orleans Pelicans this offseason. Guys like Dennis Schroeder, you know, I know Dennis is on the Knicks radar. And so, you know, he could be somebody who comes in and fills that lead guard role for them. You know, if the situation's right, if the money's right, you're going to have. Kyle Lowry as a free agent. You're going to have uh, Chris Paul, maybe, if he opts out as a free agent. And you're going to have Mike Conley. So they're going to have options, right? They're going to be point guards out there for them to go after this offseason. And I expect them to be aggressive uh, in that market, in that point guard market, because of everything you laid out, Bobby.
0: Yeah, I mean, D. Rose has had a positive impact on Obi Toppin, even if Edgar doesn't want Obi to be successful here in the Big Apple. He's had a positive impact. Realistically, I don't, I don't know if Derrick Rose is going to be around when this team finally gets to that point in the progression of winning a championship.
2: Wait, Edgar, you're done with Obi? You're out on mm-hmm. him? No, you no, really no.
0: Like I now. think Obi's
1: a good. Pl- I mean, I think Obi's a good player. I just uh, always felt that he shouldn't
2: have been drafted by the Knicks. Like they should have got a point guard, or you just yeah, don't like. Like Hallie
1: Burton was Hall like Burton. the yeah, guy. And Kyra I-
2: Lewis too. We would have been.
1: But Ky- Kyra was uh, he was banged up, so that I wasn't really on him. Honestly, if they would have picked him, I probably would have been upset. But yeah, I felt I, you know, uh, as I told Mark Berman last week, and I've always been saying it, I feel like New York team should never draft New York
2: guys. The local guy, yeah, <laughs> it's hard to be home. Like you people talk about, like you know, Kevin Durant didn't want to go to the Wizards because it's a pain if you're these guys if in your home. Like it's pressure, it's people. Uh, you know, like Bobby hitting you for tickets if you're the long lost cousin, and it's like you're dealing with so much extra stuff on a daily basis that it's a, it's a pain. So I, I'm with you, Edgar. It's it's tough to be home if you're like a big name athlete in any town, particularly New York.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely want him to be successful, but I just feel like you know
0: he's not going to be here. That's he's, changing it he's changing his yeah.
1: yeah, tune. No, he's
0: changing his tune. Yeah, no. Really the really anti-Topping. Fest,
1: no, no, in on New York, uh, in, here New, on the show. In, in New York, in New York, but you know, but there's another team in New York, in Brooklyn, yeah. And I want to get, you know, what are your thoughts on uh KD finally coming back, yeah. And, and what are you, your thoughts on that?
2: Look, man, the <laughs> whenever he comes back, he looks so good, it's unbelievable, and so you cannot, you can't like question. Nets talent level if everybody's healthy, right? And because Durant and Kyrie Irving's been brilliant this season. So if these guys are healthy, they're just they're on another planet. The question is health, though, because you know, already you're hearing from the Nets that they may not have James Harden for the start of the playoffs because that hamstring. And you know, Durant, I know the thigh was just a thigh contusion, not a big deal, but he missed time with the hamstring, too. Those are tricky injuries. I think they were conservative with Durant's hamstring, so you know, obviously they hope that's in the rearview mirror. They don't have to worry about that moving forward. The question is around Harden and his hamstring and can he get all the way healthy, you know, even, you know, during the first round series, obviously the nets, I think they can afford to rest Harden in the first round because they'll be able to get through uh, with the talent that they have, but eventually you're going to need Harden back. So can he get all the way back? That's a question mark for me. And then if everybody's healthy, Do they have enough defensively to slow down a Joel Embiid or an Anthony Davis? Those are the the things that I'm looking at uh, if I'm the Nets moving forward.
0: How much are they going to miss LaMarcus Aldridge down the stretch? I know he was only there for a short period of time, but I think he had
2: played well. Played really well. And, uh, you know, when LaMarcus was in the lineup, DeAndre Jordan was getting DNPs. He was not in the rotation. And then LaMarcus retired, and thankfully he's healthy. a scary situation. Everybody's just happy that he's safe and healthy. And, you know, uh, excuse me, DeAndre Jordan then went back in the rotation. So I think you're going to be relying on DeAndre in part against these bigger guys, particularly a guy like Joel Embiid, to try to slow him down. And so, yeah, they'll miss LaMarcus Aldridge. And can DeAndre do enough defensively to get you through a series? I think that's something that, you know, if all goes well for the Nets, if all goes well for the Sixers, that's something we might find out about in the conference final. What are
1: your, uh, thoughts, on, what are your thoughts on the job that Steve Nash has done with all those injuries and
2: those guys are still winning games? Incredible. I mean, we, we talk a lot about Tom Thibodeau, Coach of the Year. Steve Nash, to me, has to be right there in that conversation too. First-year head coach, dealt with so much you know, injuries, COVID, James Harden trade. Kyrie leaving the team, not really explaining why, like he's just dealt with a ton and you look at where they are. They're sitting at the top of the East and they're rolling despite everything that's happened, you know, that's been out of Steve Nash's control. So tremendous job for a first year head coach. I think the Nets did a great job putting a lot of experience on Steve Nash's bench. I think that's helped him make the transition. Um, So yeah, certainly remarkable hats off to him. He's been fantastic.
0: Nets first team in the East to clinch a playoff spot. What kind of impact do you think Mike James might have down the stretch? Because I think he's carving out a nice, nice place for himself on the roster.
2: Yeah, you know, he they he came in and he scored the ball right away. So I think if there are injuries, you know, you're gonna see somebody maybe like Mike James get some minutes even in a shortened rotation in a playoff series. But they have so much depth that I don't, you know, I I kind of think the rotation will get tightened up in a way that you, you may not use those guys unless you get banged up and unless you have to replace somebody in your rotation in a playoff series, but it's certainly a nice luxury to have somebody who can come in and impact the game like the way Mike James did a couple nights ago for the Nets.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, if you, if you think, uh, is it championship or bus for the Nets?
2: I think so. I mean, look, they have two years, right? It's this year and it's next year. And then those guys have options. So I think, it is because if you don't do it this year, then everything is on next year because, you know, the uncertainty of beyond next year, I think, becomes a big storyline. I don't know if it would weigh on the players or not, but it just just becomes this added time pressure. So it's really important, I think, for them to get it this year. And, and obviously they have next year as kind of insurance. But. I think ideally they get it done this year and then they maybe go for back to back next year. But I look at that Laker team and if they're healthy, you know, they've been through it before. I think experience matters a lot. And so I think that's that's a tough out for anybody coming out of the East, whether it's Philly, Brooklyn, Milwaukee. uh, If you have to face that Laker team over a seven game series.
0: Ian had the uh, Knicks and the Nets in this dream scenario uh, in the second round, possibly playing each other to a seven day, a seven game, excuse me, death match series. Uh, you know, how realistic do you see something like
2: that? I mean, look, if they get to game seven, I hope they have game seven at Orchard beach. Fun, man. Let's let's move it up to the beach. Let's play outside outdoors on the hard court. Um, I mean, look, that, that would be so much fun for the city. I mean, What else would you want if you're a New York basketball fan of either team? Uh, Playoff series, everything on the line. And, you know, Tom Thibodeau, the one thing they say a lot about him, but the one thing people in the business say about him is he doesn't, no one's going to out-prepare you. If you're Tom Thibodeau, he's not going to get out-prepared, I should say. He prepares so in such detail for everything, and he gets his players prepared because of that. So I bring that up to say over the course of a seven-game series, I feel like Tom Thibodeau is going to put his team in the best position possible to win games. Now, there's obviously a talent deficit every night if the Knicks are playing the Nets, but the Knicks are going to be prepared to try to take advantage of whatever weaknesses Brooklyn has on those nights. So I could see it being like, you know, even if it's like a five game, six game series, I could see those games being tight. Uh, It would be shocking to me if if the Knicks, were to beat the Nets in a seven-game series. I guess stranger things have happened, but I would be pretty stunned if that happened.
0: You so, think it's still the next town, Ian?
2: Yeah, I, you know, and, and this is no knock on the Nets, but you guys, I mean, I have a theory about it. I would be curious to hear what you guys say. I think even if the Nets win back-to-back titles with Durant, Irving, and Harden, I think it would still take, like, another generation of Nets fans. Like, you know, the 10-year-old kid grows up, has a family, stays in the tri-state area, raises his kids as Nets fans. And I think it would take that second generation for the Nets fans to really, or for the Nets to really make a dent into basketball fans locally because it's such a Nick town and it's it's been ingrained, you know, through grandparents, parents, kids. It's a generational thing. So I think it would take longer for them to really make a dent into that local fan base. What do you guys think? It's
0: always going to be a Knicks town. Always. Always, I mean, I mean, especially now that Ed went into his closet and dug out that sweatshirt. I mean, you know, <laughs> as he said before the show, the Knicks are back. <laughs> they're back, Ian. They're back.
2: Yeah, Wait a second, Andrew, yeah, was that was yeah. that James White's uh, warm up? Is that is that James's jacket? Did he give it to you, or was that? That's my jacket. <laughs> uh, all right, all right, okay. All right, I didn't know. I don't know. You guys got jackets and warm up swag. I'm good. I'm happy. Yeah, hey,
1: you know. I, listen, I, at the end of the day, you know, me and you have had our own private conversations about the Knicks. Yes. My thing is yes. actually good to see them win. Um, because obviously, you know, I've been frustrated with them for a very long time. Yeah. That that's where I stand. And I hope I hope they do get to the second round and we do see a seven game series.
2: It'll be fun, man. It'll be fun for the fans. Like, and I'm I'm happy for. Like the players, there's some good guys that they want to win and they care and they show it by the way they play. So I'm happy for the players. Um, The long-suffering Nick fan out there that's been rooting night in and night out over the last 20 years where it's been, you know, embarrassing on and off the court for uh, significant portions of the last 20 years. I'm happy for that person who's kind of stuck through it and has been waiting for this. So uh, it's it's definitely a feel-good story right now. Uh, for the Knicks in New York, and uh, call me cynical. I'm always waiting for the, the other shoe to drop. But so far, like they've been good. There's been nothing going on off the court, and it's been it's been all positive for this team so far.
1: Before you leave, I want to um, ask you about um, you have your own show called The Putback, and um, yes, sir. Talk about it, and um, where can people watch it?
2: Yes, sir. Uh, we do it weekly. Uh, comes out every Wednesday afternoon, and it's a digital show. So. You can find it on SNY.TV. Uh, we, they'll tweet the show. I'll tweet the show. They put it on Facebook, whatever, all their, sh- their social channels. And we just try to have fun, man. Like, you guys have set the standard for uh, cohesion and chemistry between the two co-hosts. So we're just trying to get to that level where, you know, it's just good vibes every, every show. Uh, but no, we just try to have fun. We just try to talk basketball, try to peel the curtain back a little bit on what's going on locally and around the league. And, and uh, you know, we hope people are enjoying it. I told Bobby C
1: last week we had our highest numbers so far. So he can't leave me until we reach 50,000 uh, weekly viewers. If not, that's it. He won't be allowed at Orchard Beach no
2: more. Just to let <laughs> like, you
1: know, you
0: without me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Locked out of the beach
0: Yeah, I'm just waiting for July 1st so I can be like see ya
2: Ed. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, goodness. July 1st then you just do the show from outside and then you don't have don't, to have Baron Davis in the curtains man come on
0: don't give him any ideas I mean, it's already <laughs> like I said it's already you know too much as is when the techs start flying I think I got Ian Bailey for tonight <laughs> Leave them on red. Leave him on red. That's what Mello says. If Mello says it, it's gold, man. You know. Wait a second. Read it ahead.
2: Get Mello to come on and promote the book. When the season's over, that's my goal. Yeah, that's my
1: goal. We need the bookings I don't,
2: I don't to don't, you <laughs> Listen, yeah, Bob, exactly. Bobby's gonna leave this show and, like the, you I'm guys back. will get Carmelo and like August, that's and nice. Bobby's that's like, nice. hey, uh, I'm ready. <laughs> the, real, the real
0: star of the show anyway is, is Randy Cruz. So yes, um, it's, it's, you know, it's the wizard behind the scenes that, uh, that really orchestrates everything. So we want to give him a shot. He, he should really be on sometimes. I mean, Ed gets on him cause he's got 25 podcasts, but you know, <laughs> if he, if he wants to join us every once in a while, to talk some basketball, we would appreciate.
2: Yeah. The, the brains behind the operation. Absolutely. hundred percent. Cruise control. Yeah. I, so um, this is a cruise control heart to guard collaboration. Is that, I like it. I like We it. need more sponsors.
0: Get us some like more sponsors, Ian. Uh We
1: need FanDuel. We need uh, like, DraftKings and somebody.
2: I'm a big financial supporter of the diaper companies right now, so I can contact <laughs> them and see if there's any Ed dollars to float your way. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, E, the, the two things from tonight are definitely leave Edgar on red. That's the first thing. And <laughs> I thought today – I thought today that it, it might be my allergy. Like I've touched my nose a couple of times here during the show. I thought it might be my allergies. You know, they said pollen in the air and all that yep. sort of stuff. But it, yep. I, it dawned on me during the show yep. that I'm allergic to Edgar Burgos texts. <laughs> so whatever it is is creating some sort of allergy for me. And and you know, basically, I, I just got to get away from Edgar Burgos. Learned, and that's be, what it is. I'll give him a few days
1: off. He'll be back next Thursday. <laughs>
2: Can We lock that in for next Thursday. We get. Bob, will Bobby be back?
1: Will Bobby be back? I <laughs> have a hashtag. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: please, Bobby, don't leave Edgar. <laughs>
1: yeah, Bobby,
2: that's Ian,
1: around, I, man. I
0: want a spot on the putback. That's what it is. I, I'm lobbying <laughs> for you know a, a chance to change shows you
1: got to get us back on the. You got to get us on the putback.
0: Ian. I want to. I want to step out of the
1: arena. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, I appreciate you coming on, man. You know, you know, I know your time is valuable. So I definitely appreciate, you know, how much I care about you. love, I love you. You're a great friend. And, you know, thank you.
0: Now um, that you've done the podcast, yeah. your time is valuable. Appreciate <laughs> you. Appreciate <laughs> you.
2: <laughs> hey, all love to both of you guys. You know that. It's always all love. And I uh, always love talking to you guys. Look forward to the day where we can hang in person. No matter where it is—the beach, the garden, the diner in the Bronx, wherever—I hope we could do it soon.
1: Last question.
2: Yeah. How do you think me and Bobby get along on the show? So on the air. On the air. I like the the argumentative. I like <laughs> the that. Dynamic it spices it up. Yeah, no, it's good. I like it. <laughs> you know, I, I guarantee off the air you guys are kisses and hugs and whatever, <laughs> but I like on <laughs> the air. There's a, there's a clash. I like that. It's <laughs> not true. Oh, so, said, so it's authentic. No, hey. because
0: he says he got to go pop a wheelie someplace. <laughs> he texted me a, a few <laughs> times today. There were not did I respond to you once, Edgar. No, not <laughs> once today. There was no, <laughs> so no text
1: to yep, you today. Text my text. <laughs> I said, listen, you have time? I said, Do you have time tomorrow at 9:30? He said, Sounds good. That was it. <laughs> <that
2: was, laughs> <laughs> hey at least you got an answer
0: <laughs> I feel bad for him sometimes because he's very big on these podcasts
2: so look yeah. man keep keep going or if Bobby leaves you Edgar and you get Carmelo don't let him back just call me say hey you want to co-host
1: <laughs> I, I got you I got you I appreciate you, <laughs> I appreciate you Ian well, always, thing, folks. always Great
2: good stuff, to be with man. you guys appreciate man. you guys
1: Please take care.
0: I don't know if you know. I was going to say I don't know if he you knows so that a lot off. <laughs> <laughs> now another great show for us. And all uh, jokes aside, obviously fantastic to have Ian Bagley on. He's just one of the best in the business. And you know, I, I teased in the in the opener there, but I, I sincerely mean that. I, I think if all the guys that are in the business. No one makes more of an effort to try to accommodate every single person that he comes in contact with than Ian Bagley. I mean, I you'll you'll see him on, you know, national shows, uh, ESPN. He used to be on, obviously now with SNY. You know, whether it's local, national, but he'll he'll find time for even uh, even students of mine uh, in my program that uh, he'll come on their podcast. You know, people of course that don't have any name in the game, so a big uh, big shout and and much respect to Ian Bagley.
1: Nah, Ian, I mean, you can't say nothing bad about him. Like he's he's just a great person. Just period. That's it. Great
0: person. 100%. You know, and last week on the show on on a different note Ed cuz you know, you know we had the Thursday night show and I guess I just you know had been so busy uh in all seriousness with you know with day-to-day stuff but I um you know, I just found it very sad, of course, with the, pa- the passing, excuse me, of Terrence Clark. You know, and uh, I know last week if I would have, you know, noticed it at that point that um, I definitely would have dedicated last week's podcast to Terrence Clark and had an opportunity, opportunity excuse me, to be around him uh, as part of, uh, you know, some of the high school American games that I've done and just an outstanding young man and a really sad story. Yeah, you did the slam
1: game with him at uh, Dykeman. Um, And one thing, I was at that game, and one thing I do remember about him is that he just had a smile the whole time.
0: Very infectious player, yeah.
1: yeah, It seemed like everybody towards gravitated him. And, you know, condolences to his family. You know, it's a major loss, especially at such a young age and so much talent. Um, At 19,
0: I mean, just, you know, right on the doorstep of realizing NBA dream and – you know, I think all the people at home that watch us can can get that sensation from us. I, I think all of us, you know, we aspire uh, that love the game. I mean, like, you know, we aspire to play professional basketball. You know, when people have asked me why you gravitate to this particular job, I mean, I, I was okay at basketball, but obviously not good enough to play, um, you know, at that high a level. But to just to be around the game and to talk the game and to be able to interview some of the best in the game, whether it's you know, current players, retired players, or even scribes and broadcasters like we do here on the show. What, what a privilege that is because, you know, sports is such a special place and basketball, of course, is such a special sport. So, you know, when you when you see a young man like Terrence Clark that has the talent to actually play at that level and, um, you know, have it taken away at such a young age, it's just such a, such a sad story. And I, I think the tributes of poured in, whether it was with the Boston Celtics or the Boston Red Sox. He obviously grew up in that area coming out of Massachusetts. And he would have been one of the, I would say one of the first stars from that particular area in quite some time. So um, I hope that on draft night, I know tonight, of course, the NFL draft, maybe we can talk about that a bit before we head out tonight, but I hope for the NBA draft that the, the league, that the association does something for him. Uh, even if it's, you know, something, a small token, just to, you know memorialize him to remember him because I think he's he's worth it
1: yeah I hope that he's definitely uh one thing about the NBA they always do a great job uh with anything and they stand up a great organization and I feel like they definitely will do something probably you know name him as a first round pick and you know and maybe have the family come up there and just give him a jerk you know his jersey a jersey with his name on it just to like remember him and just so the family could have something. So, you know, I'm just hoping, you know, I know for a fact they're going to do the right thing because that's what the NBA yeah, of course.
0: You yeah, know, and again, that story in in a way it's kind of twofold because, you know, again, of course, very very sad tragic story for him and his family, but I think it's also a cautionary tale for, you know, for other youngsters and young drivers especially um, you know, not to maybe sound like a parent, but and you know, a lot of times in these instances it doesn't take very much to have uh that kind of an accident on the road that could be fatal. Um, you know, so you know, just kind of, you know, sends home that message no matter who you are, uh young or old, uh, to be focused on you know on the road because uh, you know, even one small mistake could could end up being your life.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, kids, you know. Uh, you know they say he was speeding i mean you know definitely you know pay attention hopefully he wasn't on his phone or something you know like i said uh, just be mindful when you're driving
0: yeah of course and uh you know again not to you know have the somber tone or you know but i just wanted to dedicate our show to that tonight since we didn't get an opportunity to speak about that last week and You know, it it definitely been a fun night tonight, though, you know, talking about the Knicks and the Nets and the prospects of having, you know, some basketball at a time of the year that, you know, we again, we've had some runs, I guess, over the years. You know, we talked about it with the Knicks and and of course, the Nets have been, I I would say, pretty good over the better part of the last decade. And I think this is the first time that we might be having uh, the conversation about having like legit, deep playoffs for at least one of these two teams, maybe both of them.
1: Yes, I'm I'm excited. You know, I'm I'm happy that both teams are in the play. Well, you know, Knicks haven't clinched, but it looks like they're going to make the playoffs. So, I mean, like I said, man, if they both could make – I mean, the Nets go to the finals, great. And if the Knicks go to the second round, the Knicks – honestly, if the Knicks go to the second round, they're the biggest story, even if the Nets win the chip, because that's what New York is all about. I mean, people will be happy that the Mets won, I'm sure, but you know, like, like you mean, when you,
0: when you think about it, Ed, you and I talk about this too. I mean, we just, there's been some moderate success, but New York has not been a place for championships lately. I mean, it's just not. I mean, the Yankees have been in the conversation. Maybe the Mets made the world series a few years ago, but in terms of baseball, we haven't had, a champion, and, and now in a while, you know, since 2009. And the Giants were the last of the of the New York football teams, of course, to win a Super Bowl. And tonight, you know, you, you look at the Jets and they go out and they try to still – you know, they're still looking for their franchise yeah. quarterback. I mean, they haven't probably had one – I mean, maybe, again, you know, periodically some good players at that position, but they haven't had the quote-unquote franchise quarterback maybe since Joe Namath, which 1969 is a long time ago. And then when you talk about, you know, even the other teams here in this city, whether it's the hockey teams, uh, you know, again, the locals at times, the Islanders, the Rangers, I think the Isles are in in position to maybe, you know, do something this postseason and the Rangers are improved and have a nice young team and the Devils have been up and down. But, you know, we really haven't had anybody here in this city, maybe aside from the Yankees, and I'm not even sure how how close they have been, because I think that the other teams that have won titles in the last couple of years, including the Dodgers, have been better teams. But it, it would be something else to finally have a team that goes down the the canyon of heroes. And I, I, if I had to pick one right now, I'm hoping it's the Yankees, but I think the Nets have the closest chance of any of the teams here in the city to get to to win the championship. Now, a question, the, if, the I,
1: if the Nets win the chip, do they have – they're not going down the Canyon of Heroes. They're going down the Atlantic Avenue.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess, I, I, guess they, they could have the parade there. Right? I mean, I, it's still a New York City team, so why wouldn't the, uh, they wouldn't, you know, I don't think they would go down the Canyon of Heroes. I think they would.
1: I think just because they're Brooklyn, it's going to be in Brooklyn, and they'll be at Brooklyn Borough Hall. You know, I don't think they're going to go to City. Yeah. yeah, that's just my opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely possibility. I, I remember when when the Nets, you know, finally came together here in Brooklyn. One of the one of the cool events. They, they always did a good job of kind of like I think planning and staging almost like better types of events. Maybe because they had to as as kind of like the little brother here in the city. But they introduced Joe Johnson when they acquired him, and, and uh, maybe a couple of other their free agents that year at Borough Hall. Did at Borough Hall, right? Yeah, and uh, and then even. Um, you know, a few years back, they did. They've done some things at Coney Island. They've had press conferences out there. They've they've always done a good job, I think, of finding maybe different ways to to kind of tell their stories to to entice fans to maybe hop on the Brooklyn, you know, Brooklyn Nets bandwagon. But you know, I don't think they've had to really sell people now because, again, having those three stars, you know, three guys that might legitimately be three of the top ten players. Right? I mean, three of the top ten players in the NBA. I think all three of them are in the top ten.
1: Yeah, I, I just feel like as good as they are, and honestly, nobody talks about their bench. Their bench is, I think, no one of the, in the whole league. Uh, Blake Griffin has played great since he's, and all of a sudden he's dunking again, and he looks like he's having fun. Um, you know, they have a good team. And, you know, just outside of New York, I think people appreciate it. But, like and here in New York, people watch it. You know, people probably paid more attention to it once the playoffs start. But like, this is always going to be a nick town.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we said that last week with Mark Berman, and then we you know we alluded to that tonight with Liam Bagley, and you know I made the comments that obviously really happened tonight. You know, you talk to people locally about about the teams, you make some small talk, and I think there is a buzz here in the city. You know, even with those that are not diehard fans, I think people. I think it's a bass. First of all, it is a basketball city. I think if if you had an NBA champion here, it's it's it. This is definitely, you know, uh, the mecca is a basketball city. So I, I think the likelihood is that most of the fans here, like Ian said, are probably still more you know gravitating towards me, Nick fans. But I think if if we were to crown a champion, even if it's the Brooklyn Nets, I think the fans would be delighted. To to know that uh, you know maybe maybe even Nick fans might might be excited about it to some degree just to have you know have that kind of basketball uh, on display in the NBA Finals just because it's a New York team I know you know when we had Anthony Donahue on he said absolutely not but I think and, it's, my, I think and it's
1: probably- my boy Preston my boy Preston um, is a huge Nick fan just like Anthony Donahue, and he said he hate he can't stand LeBron James. He said, if the Lakers play the Nets, he will be rooting for LeBron James.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think they have some guys that you would want to root for. No, like, I mean, to me, I, I, I've always liked James Harden. I mean, to me, James Harden's a guy that I enjoy watching play. I think he's on another level. And I think there's a lot of people that feel the same way, even about, you know, either either or Kyrie or, or Kevin Durant. So there's definitely a following of people that, follow those players you know so like even if they were fans of them on other teams they've they've kind of kept with them as they move to the nets so you know I, I think it's like I said I think that they are in my opinion in best position to win a title I, I think the I mentioned it tonight I think the Aldridge um, retirement is, is a tough pill to swallow because I think he was helping them in an area of need uh, but I do agree with you Blake Griffin has been you know there's kind of been a resurgence there. I, I do like James, the you know the addition of him as a, as a guard with some scoring punch off the bench, and I think probably their route to winning an NBA championship is just going to simply be outscoring their opponents throughout the playoffs, and and maybe hoping that they, you know, make quick work of teams and in series throughout the playoffs because that will give them time to rest and and be fresh if they have to play grueling series and go deep in every series, and guys like Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving are not a hundred percent. And again, health this year has been an issue for the Nets. That would be something that could maybe move the Nets off track in their quest to win a title. And perhaps the same with the Lakers. You know, I think the fact that LeBron James has been out has, of course, affected how the Lakers have played. You know, so could a team like the Phoenix Suns, who have been hot this year, could they find a way in the playoffs to to maybe make enough waves to get to the finals? Maybe they could. I mean, they're having a, a great season. Uh, there have been some other teams in the west that i think are legitimate threats to the lakers especially if the health is an issue and without without james without it you know without him at 100% without davis at 100% uh same thing with the nets i mean i, I think there is concern there that if those those trio uh, that trio those big 3 are not 100% uh, how much does that affect the probability that the nets win a championship
1: yeah i think out west it's definitely uh, the Clippers. If if it's not the Lakers, it's the Clippers. I mean, Denver. Obviously, Murray being hurt um hurts them. But um, two weeks, right? Playoff start in two weeks. Yeah. Oh, three. Or two and a half three weeks? weeks. Three yes. weeks. Yeah. Two and a half weeks. Yeah. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, it's the best time of the year. You know, I think most NBA fans would agree, like, you know, you not, no knock to the regular season, but you kind of, you know, you kind of do your best to get through, uh, these games that, you know, you know, again, they matter somewhat, but you do your best just to get to that, you know, that playoff run. And, and NBA playoffs is like a season in, in and of itself. I mean, it's the length of it and, and the days off between series and, you know, a lot of the narratives that go on with those playoff games, um, you now, it's the best time of the year if you're a basketball fan.
1: You see, Bobby, this is why you need it. And for you people out there that watch our show, we need to get over 15,000 next week viewers because Bobby will be very happy and he will be back. Okay. Remember, hashtag Bobby C. Please don't leave Edgar. I know it's a long hashtag, but please hashtag it.
0: And I, I you know, I'm trying my best to kind of like, slither out of the picture here like I got rid of the jerseys behind me because the curtains are going to go next week or the drapes whatever you want to call them Um, I, I'm just I'm doing my best to try to get away from these text messages from you because I got a lot going on I mean that, that is a legit statement that is not you know look today it's a pretty productive day for me I'm very excited on BronxNet as we pre-record so many interviews but Today on BronxNet, we got a chance to interview three-time Formula One champion, Sir Jackie Stewart. How many times do you get to talk to someone that's officially knighted, Ed? I mean, that's pretty cool, three-time Formula One champion. And also got a chance to speak to the to the great Dave Parker, MLB great, who won championships with the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Oakland Athletics. So those are some of the interviews that I'm uh, excited to share with our uh, people here in the Bronx. When does it come up? Well, again, with our staggered schedule here in the, you know, we we have the live show here in the Bronx, but it's no longer live thanks to COVID. So things are, you know, kind of taped to live, I guess, you know, so uh, everything's kind of like a week behind. So I I would say uh, look out, I guess, next week, the week after for some of these interviews, but we're going to do a a two-part series with Sir Jackie because we got so much great content from him and uh, possibly, you know, we got a little bit longer time with Dave Parker too. And, you know, interesting stories because, um, you know, before we head out tonight, I think it's interesting how sports, you know, ha- so many times has more to it than just, of course, the stats and, and the games itself, because Sir Jackie Stewart has his own foundation called Race Against Dementia. Uh, his wife of almost 60 years has, uh, you know, has the disease and and he's doing everything that he can to try to to bring some attention to it and, and have people, you know, donate to the cause and to try to, you know, find, uh, find and fund research pretty much. And, you know, the same thing with, with Dave Parker too, he has Parkinson's disease and uh, he has his own foundation to try to pretty much do the same for people that are suffering with Parkinson's and uh, just came out with a new book, which is pretty cool uh, about his career and, um, you know, world of sports, man. I mean, you know, I, I tell all the time to my students, you know, there's so many things that kind of overlap uh, when we talk about sports, you know, and, and how how it mirrors so much of what's going on in society. You know, I mean, you see it with uh, some conversations about social justice or obviously, you know, even, even things like the pandemic, how much it's affected the sports world. Um, so, you know, it's so great to be having like, you know, legit conversations with you about maybe having full fans at games and just a couple of months. And, you know, I, I, I still can't believe like, all again, all jokes aside, I cannot believe that we are talking about the Knicks playing meaningful basketball games with less than three weeks to play in the NBA season.
1: Yeah. We'll be having different types of guests. We'll probably be having West coast guests if we, if the Knicks wasn't winning.
0: Yeah. I mean, can we, again, I, you know, you can trade me to another podcast or I can retire like LaMarcus Aldridge. and You can find another co-host. Ready, I mean, I'm going to make you a star. You don't oh, understand. I tell, I'm gonna make you a star, Bobby. Please, I'm too old to be a star you at this point. I'm a, men- I'm a mentor now, Ed. Okay, I'm remember. a mentor. Hashtag.
1: Please don't leave Edgar, Bobby C, Adam.
0: Okay. I'm a be mentor me. now. <laughs> I- I've moved on to greener pastures. I'm ready to ride my motorcycle into the sunset, my friend. That's that's where it's at. I'm I'm an old guy. I mean, don't be fooled. There's a couple of gray hairs kind of like creeping through. Um, and I honestly, I think they're thanks to you. Like I don't think yeah. I had them. So, so, so I mean, listen. All of my ailments, whether it's my allergies, um, these gray hairs that are creeping through in my beard, uh, I think it's all it's all because of you.
1: So, even look, even daddy,
0: I got lines in my head. This really daddy, bugged daddy, me too, daddy, huh? You put the hashtag. <laughs> We don't leave Edgar. That's only because Randy doesn't want to do another podcast. Like he's a host. Of, he's on
1: 24-7. My last thing before we leave is as Bobby rides off to the sunset, he will be back next Thursday night
0: at 930. Love you guys. This is like be- purgatory is what it is. <laughs> I'm stuck in, in sports hell with you. Step in the arena is another way of saying hell. I'm stuck <laughs> For step into the purgatory slash hell with Edgar Burgos. Who's the guest next week? Can you tell me at least a week in advance so I can actually make it, some prep? I'll on Monday, I'll tell you on Monday. You're gonna tell me on Monday, gotcha. All right, all right, might be a good time then to you know, I think he's giving you the peace sign. I don't know, whatever. All right, well, thanks to our guest tonight, Ian Bagley of SNY, and you should check out the put back. And uh, again, if you get a text message from Edgar Burgos, do not respond. <laughs> We'll see you next Thursday night.